Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, November 13th, 2023. What's going on? How are ya? How's it going? You like the new microphone? Crystal clear ignorance coming at you to start the work week. Sorry I'm late. I uh, had to fly back. I'm finally back home. My last long run of the year. That's it. All I got is Vegas next weekend. One fucking quick, um, one quick gig and then that's it. That's it. And then I'm done for the whole year and I got nothing else. I got nothing lined up. I ain't doing shit. Okay. I ain't doing fucking shit. Um, that's my game plan. My game plan is I'm not doing shit. Um, first of all, I can talk about old dads now. The strike is over. Strike is over. You know, we didn't lose too bad, right? It's only for three years. Each, each, every three years now, they're going to do more and more AI until they lose, until they just get rid of fucking everybody. That's, that's what I think. They're going to start with extras and then they're going to move to character actors and then leads and then directors. I think they're just going to gradually do that. But what's great is they're going to act like AI is for everybody. And how they're going to do that is they're going to give regular people robots that they can fuck any way that they want. Right. And then everybody's, this is, you know, I don't think it's all bad. It's convenient. It helps me with my groceries. It fucking blows me. I like it. And then meanwhile, there's going to be like a fucking switch in there. Um, and they're just going to take all of us out. You're going to have it in you. You're going to invite the fucking devil into your fucking house. Oh, Jesus, Bill, what happened? I thought you were all excited that your goddamn week was, your, <laughs> your travel was done for the year. Um, yes, very happy about that. I had an amazing, amazing, amazing weekend. I uh, And the rest of the week, I'm trying to think. I know I did the Thursday podcast. I don't know if I talked to you about the Atlanta show. I did the Atlanta show. I had a great fucking time. Hung out at this great cigar bar right next to the Tabernacle. And then uh, I went and I did the show and it was just killing, just having a great time. My buddy Todd Parker came down, billionaire boogeyman, right? He came in, he did some time. Dean Del Rey fucking killed it. And I went up. I was just fucking perfect. I was killing. Everything's going great. I'm going into my last bit, you know, getting ready to smile and wave and get out of there. And all of a sudden, everybody starts yelling up, ah, pointing at this person. And I'm thinking, like, what am I talking about that has to do with this person? I guess somebody in the crowd had some sort of medical episode. Um, I think it was a seizure or something. But uh, they said they, they ended, when they got to him, they ended up, like, walking him out, her out. I think it was a woman under her own power. She kind of had her head down and was embarrassed, which as much as it sucks to be embarrassed... It's also a good thing that you're feeling the emotion of embarrassed. So that sounds like the person was all right, which was a relief. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. It was definitely, uh, you know, I had to figure out how to get out of that. Like, keep the show going as everybody's rubbernecking, looking at this person. So um, from what I heard, they were okay. So that's a good thing. Um, And then the next night I went down to uh, Hollywood, Florida. 
and did the casino down there, the one that looks like a Les Paul guitar, and uh, just had this incredible fucking view. I could see all the way down to Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and all of that, and it was, you know, I could see, you know, some of the really, I love the architecture in, uh, in Miami. I just, I don't know what it is, that Art Deco, and then there's sort of the, the lines, you know, that a lot of them had like that S sort of shape to them. Very unique. Um, I don't know enough about it to talk intelligently about it, but that is this podcast. Um, so that show ended up being great too, and then me, Dean, and Kenny flew up to New York City, and um, I did Madison Square Garden, and it was funny. Like, people were going, are you nervous? Are you nervous? And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not. But what I was trying not to do is be thinking, I was kind of thinking like, you know what? I do an hour and 15 minutes, I say fucking good night, and then I am on vacation. That's what I was looking at. <laughs> so I was going in there, and I'm like, that's not the right attitude to have, Bill. You need to give these people a show. But of course, once you go into the venue, you fucking, your nerves get going and everything. And um, I had uh, this one comedian open up that I saw on Instagram that I thought was funny. Uh, uh, Leah Sampson, she went up, she killed it. Then she brought up Josh Adam Myers and then Dean Del Rey. I brought the two rock and roll comedians, made sense. And then the special surprise guest, if you follow me on Instagram, you know who it was, the one and only Andrew Dice Clay. And he went up there and was just fucking murdering to the point I was backstage going like, why the fuck did I do that? You know, I I should be on stage right now and he's just going to wear this fucking crowd out. You know, even though he's only doing 10 minutes, he's fucking dice, right? And this is his house, basically. So, and then Segura was hanging side stage, you know, Segura's a fucking beast. I'm like, ah, fuck, he's going to see my new shit, I hope I'm funny, you know, blah, 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 right? A little bit of pressure there. And then Dice just gave me the greatest intro and um, gave me a big bear hug. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I got to play Madison Square Garden with Andrew Dice Clay. If you told 21-year-old me way back in 1989 when I was watching the Dice Man that I would ever even become a comedian, forget about work with him, and do it at Madison Square Garden, and he was going to say all these nice things about my comedy. It was fucking amazing. So thank you to him. Thank you to everybody that came out. Um, It was such a great crowd. Um, And, you know, I've been doing these bigger venues, so I didn't have to adjust. I just felt totally ready for it, and it just, it was perfect. I came down there earlier, played drums. They had the drums mic'd up and shit. It was fucking ridiculous. My life is, this weekend has just been, this whole week has been ridiculous. And then the next night, you know, oh, then we had the after party at Gotham Comedy Club. You know, Steve Mazzilli, thanks to everybody down there. And everybody came down. They had the cake boss make a cake and all of that shit. And I, all of my friends were down there. Like everyone from people I've known for like a year to like people that I started out with like 31 years ago. So that was amazing. And, um, and then the next night I went back to Madison square garden with the lovely Nia and, uh, we got to fucking, uh, go to the UFC sitting right down fucking low. 
like front, basically there's one row, you know, the Joe Rogan row, I'll call it that, the announcer's row. And then there's a space and then um, <clears throat> the first row. So we were like right there. I'll be honest with you. I was fucking nervous. I was like, you know, I watched this violence like on, uh, on TV, you know, there's a separation. This is going to be like right in front of me watching some of the greatest athletes in the world just beating the shit out of each other. Am I going to be able to handle this? Um, you know, you never know. So I ended up going down there and uh, we're sitting down there. And I don't know why, but for some reason being there, you can see the adjustments fighters are making a lot easier than on TV. I don't know. It's because you're just sitting there watching it and you're not sort of like dealing with the, the director editing and sort of, you can kind of just, and what I kind of, I don't know any of the fighters names. So don't even fucking start with me. I'm too busy to, to follow the sport the way I need to. Uh, I do love it. I just don't have time. So I kind of noticed with like fights, it was like, they were all, everybody was so fucking good that night that it was like, whoever figured the other person out first won the fight. And like, and I felt like all of them did it like a half a second before the other person figured them out. Um, especially on like that last fight. Cause I was just looking at those two fighters, the dude in the yellow and then the dude in the red. Right. And I was watching it and I'm looking at the dude in the yellow. I'm like, that guy looks like he means business. The other guy looked like he wasn't in quite a good shape. So I said, I think maybe the guy in the yellow is going to win this, right? Then the guy in the red comes out and he's got this weird little fucking like faint that he would do. He just didn't know what was going to happen. He like led with an uppercut and it landed. And I was like, oh, he's one of these guys, the weird angle guys. All right, let's see what fucking happens. And the yellow guy started coming back. No, no, the yellow guy's going to win. And the fucking red guy comes back. And then all of a sudden, the guy in the yellow gave me all right there, Fred, with a couple of fucking elbows, caught him. Um, that was to end the night. But, like, um, I, I, I can't even tell you how, what a different experience it is watching it that close. It was fucking amazing. It was amazing. The only thing that was annoying me was in between fights, all the fucking walking around and people talking and glad handing. No one was talking about the fights. <laughs> it was a lot of that pointing and all that Hollywood shit. Hey, fucking you. There you are. And, you know, you know what's fucking hilarious is when two straight guys go to hug. There's always that pause before the, the tents up and then the fucking really hard slaps on the back. Um type of shit all of that shit that was going on in between um it was weird i mean Nia, we just sort of was sitting there talking about the fights and uh and then it was also cool watching when joe gets up rogan gets up to go in you know to interview the fighters and stuff because i was like watching him calling the fights too and uh like, that, that is not, I, I knew it wasn't an easy job, but watching all the movement that that guy has to do and then come back, sit down, and then get going and start talking about the next one, that is not a, uh, he makes it look easy, but it, it was, uh, whatever, I don't know. You know, it's always cool when you see something like a million fucking times on TV, then you actually go to it and you're like, you can't believe you're there. So, uh I don't know. I kind of liked all the decisions except for one. I thought that baby baby shark, I thought she, she won that fight. And I was looking at the other fight. I'm like, she's got a big bruise under her eye and she's, her nose is all messed up. And the other one looked like, other than her braid, was 
a little fucked up. <laughs> That's like, that was a split decision or whatever. Other than that, I thought everything was cool. Um, so anyway, thanks to Dana and everybody at the UFC for hooking us up. We had a fucking, we had a great time. And I went there with the Verzies, you know, and Club Soda Kenny. And, uh, you know, it was Paul's birthday. I forgot that. We did that beforehand. Then we like, do we smoke a cigar before we get? I'm like, no, no, let's get over there, get to the fucking fights. Um, it was really, really cool. So whatever. All I'm doing is just telling you what I did this fucking week. I'm not even talking. I could fucking try and make you laugh at some point, right? I guess I did a little bit. The fucking bro hugging. I did enjoy all that bro hugging and stuff because like, you know, they always talk, oh, I can't live out in, I can't live out in fucking, uh, LA, man, it's just too fucking phony. I got to be honest with you, dude. I haven't seen phoniness at that level. Those in-between fucking fights schmoozing. The fucking schmoozing that's going on is on at like a Hollywood award show fucking level, dude. It was like, <laughs> hey, bro. <laughs> uh, it was an embarrassment. Of human behavior. But other than that, other than that, the fucking fights were great and all of, all of that, uh, all of that shit. And it was also kind of cool to be, uh, come back to the garden, like the very next night after doing a show there and looking around being like, this looks totally fucking different. Totally fucking different. And I don't have any pressure. I can just fucking sit here and fucking enjoy it and get fucked up. But I don't get fucked up anymore. So that's the only part that sucked. However, what I did do is, um, I've had like nine coffees today, so don't, don't get on me about being all fucking amped up here. I'm also excited because I haven't seen my kids yet. They're coming home in a second. Um, I fucking uh, hung around Sunday, and um, we went out to Brooklyn. They wanted to go to that Jay-Z exhibit. It was like one of the last days. Went out there, you know, really cool. Anytime you see like like a self-made man, you know, telling the story, it's always good. That's like I heard Stallone's documentary is fucking amazing. Like Schwarzenegger, I put it into that. Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Jay-Z, all of that. Like, you know, they said we couldn't do it and then we fucking did it. That whole thing. It's just, you get all amped up like looking at shit like that. And um, really cool exhibit if you get a chance. They had like... They sort of rebuilt his studio in one place um, that kind of matched the photos on the wall. I like that. And then there was also a great picture of him in like, a, it looked like a late 90s or early 2000 Mercedes. Like Jay-Z very, on, on, on very quietly has really great taste in cars. I saw him one time he had a Porsche that was like silver and it was really clean. It wasn't, it was just, you knew it was like one of the top ones, but like, I'm, I'm not a big Porsche guy, but he, he didn't have all this, hey, look at me shit on it. It was just a, it was like James Bond sort of done up, man. It was fucking really cool. Um, but anyway, old Billy Fat Tits. So, you know, I got a little bit of break here. So I'm sitting there thinking like, all right, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to fucking go, um, I'm going to go to the gym, hit the gym when I get back so I can be a little bad here. So we went to this famous um, ice cream and candy place on the uh, Lower East Side. We come walking in and I see this in egg cream. I've always wondered about that because it always sounds gross to me. Like there was like a fucking raw egg in there or something. I go, I go, what's an egg cream? The guy's like, you don't know what egg cream is? I said, no. I go, let me try one of those. So he goes, most people get like a black and white one. So I said, all right. 
I don't know. No egg ever went in there. So I don't know what, where, how, why it's called an egg cream. It was a couple of shots, some syrup, and then some milk, and then they just stirred it up to like a froth. And I drank it, and I got to tell you something, man, it was out of this fucking world. So now I'm just like, all right. I got to try and forget that because that's something that I'm going to fuck up and try and recreate out here, which you can't do. You know what I mean? It's like this morning I'm at Newark fucking airport and I got a burrito. I'm on my way to LA. I'm in New Jersey and I order a burrito. Like, what the fuck am I thinking? You know, total heartburn, right? Stupid. And now I'm out here in LA. I'm all fucked up. I'm out here in LA after I got a burrito in New Jersey and I'm out here in Los Angeles thinking about an egg cream. Stupid. So I, I got to get my I got to get my fucking head right here. Um, anyway, let's talk football. What up, papa? Buda, buda, gugada, gugada. Um, the only game I had time to watch was I. Unfortunately, you know, I was in New York. I didn't have the NFL package or whatever the fuck it is. The YouTube stupid shit. And um, I watched the the Giants Cowboys game. Oh my god. Just the absolute drubbing. And of course, you know, they're not gonna shut the game off. It's like fucking 21 nothing, 28 to 6 before the half or something, and then just not gonna shut it off because it's in the Giants market. So I just sort of had that game on. Um I watched the highlights of the Patriots game, which was which was my lock of the week. I did pick the Browns against the Ravens. But I also um, took Joe Burrow. I had the Lions. I had the Browns. Those are my wins for the week. And then I had the Patriots. That was my hat. Stupid. And then um, Joe Burrow up against those goddamn Texans. I'm telling you right now, dude, if you're a gambling person, if you, I'm not going to say a degenerate. If you're a gambling man or a gambling woman, the fucking Texans cover. They like low-key fucking cover, and they're winning games that they shouldn't be winning. So I'm sure this week everybody's going to jump on them, so the fucking lines are going to come down or whatever. Um, also, Celtics-Knicks tonight. I'm going to check that out because I've just been trying to watch the Bruins, and everybody that's you know, is a Celtic fan in my life just keeps telling me you know, how fucking amazing the, uh, fucking amazing the Celtics are or whatever. But... Um, Anyway, I'm all over the map here. I I, uh, I apologize. I'm trying to think of anything. You know, I just did a bunch of work. I'm trying to think if anything funny happened to me. A woman had an epileptic seizure. That's not funny. It was in the middle of me doing a bit talking about rape. How about that? Is that funny? Because it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't when I was doing it. I was like, ah, Jesus Christ. I thought it because I just made fun of somebody fat. I was I thought it was somebody fat in the crowd. I'm like, is this the fat person from my story in the crowd? Is that why they're yelling? I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Um. Anyway, I don't know. Probably the funniest shit I saw was was the bros around uh, ringside. You know. And then there's it's always great when you go to a fight. There's always like that local famous guy that dresses with really loud clothes. They had that going on. Um, 
It was, yeah, it was definitely fun. And there was a few people that looked like, have you seen those things? My daughter watches them sometimes. You know those creepy, like, YouTube families? They either all sing together or they all, you know, do, like, Ninja Warrior stuff. And they're just so fucking, like, perfect that you're just sitting there thinking, like, in 10 years, these kids are going to tell the true story. <laughs> You know, I didn't have a childhood. He was, you know, the Joe Jackson shit. He was fucking overbearing. Speaking of that, shout out to the fucking Osmond family. Donnie, Marie, and all of them. Like, there was never any sort of, like, uh, overbearing parent, it seemed. Making them, at least they didn't say anything. Because it always seemed like with those families, you know, where they were like, you know, we're just a family that likes to sing together. And, you know, they have all these fucking, ant, like, albums come out, usually about 10, 15 years after. Then they make, like, the Lifetime movie about, like, what really happened and people getting locked into fucking closets and shit with purple crayons or whatnot. Um, if you want to see something great, watch The Osmonds with Cher covering... Um, Stevie Wonder's Superstition. <laughs> it's actually, in a lot of ways, the history of this country, where it's like somebody not white did something, then white people do it, and then the person that did it kind of fades away <laughs> initially. I know it wasn't like that. Everybody knows Stevie Wonder did it, but there's just something funny about that. Very superstitious. It's such a fucking badass song. It actually still not that bad when the Osmonds and uh, Cher do it. It still sound like the music still sounds fucking good. All right, what am I doing here? I'm getting into the weeds here. Christ, I'm off the fucking road here. Why does my fucking screen keep shutting off? Oh, I know why. I got it on the save. I got it on save mode. Every two goddamn minutes. Um... I saw a dog I wanted to adopt when I was in New York, and Nia said the same thing. It was this cute little, looked like a bull terrier with like pit bull mix or something like that. You know, I gotta tell you, these fucking pit bulls, for as much as they try to outlaw them, they're out there fucking, you know, they're out there banging a lot of dogs. Um, everything seems to be mis mixed with like a pit bull, at least when it comes to like a rescue. And the person was walking it, and it, and it had like a little sweater on. And it said, rescue me. And uh, I saw, I was thinking, oh man, I would fucking rescue that dog. And then Nia immediately said that. She goes, if we lived in New York, we'd own that dog right now. I was like, you felt that too? She goes, yep. She goes, that's how I am with dogs. I just look at them and I know immediately. I was like, yep. Um, I also ran out, I ran out of underwears and socks the night I had to go to the UFC. So I Googled like closest underwear, right? Siri, and they lead me to this fucking place because we were staying down at Lower East Side. I ended up down in Soho, and you know, you know those those shops that have like you walk in, they have like ten pieces. It's not like walking into the Gap where they're trying to clothe half the fucking world. These things just have pieces. You know, people walk out and they have like you know one little bag. I was in that part of town. And so I show up to the underwear place, the address, and they're not there anymore. So now I'm down there with like, this is where like all the fucking fashion people are. 
So I'm walking in these places. I'm like, you sell underwear and socks? They're like, no, no, we don't. We only sell outfits, right? And, oh, my God, the fucking Tourette's that I had. The fucking Tourette's because when I walked in, and, like, I had a really small window, too, to be able to get back to the hotel and make it for the uh, the dinner and then the ride to the UFC. And I'm fucking, I, I struck out in, like, the fourth straight place. And I'd be like, do you know any place around here? that sells underwear and socks. They're like, um, if you go all the way back up to Houston, the Adidas store, I'm like, fuck. So I start walking out and I'm fucking cursing my brains out, walking up the street. And, uh, I end up seeing this fucking dog like coming down the street with its owner and it has like shoes on. And that actually made me laugh. It's like, that dog has shoes and I can't find underwears and socks. Underwears? Underwear and socks. So um ended up going into, uh, what did I go into? Polo. I'm like, they'll have that there. So I went in there and I just, I was like, where's your underwear? They're like, right here. I'm like, I'll take those. You need some socks? Yes. They're like, how are, the, how are these? I'm like, good. And then I left. And then Nia told me she didn't like the underwear. She goes, it's too big. I go, no, it isn't. It's a large. It fits. She goes, no, it's too like saggy. I go, I didn't want the grape smuggler one. She goes, eh. She goes, those are more flattering. I'm like, well, what am I going to walk down the street like a fucking underwear model? I like the baggier underwear. Sitting there fucking putting my nuts in a vice. Like, why would I want to do that? I don't know. But she gave me shit. So now I'm like, for half a second, I was questioning the underwear. And then I was just like, no, fuck that. I'm keeping these. You know? I like Ralph Lauren. Poor guy. Jewish guy trying to fucking be the Marlboro man. Knowing that he wouldn't be accepted in most states. He still went for it. You know? Another self-made man. You ever watch his, uh, his documentary? That's what I do instead of reading. I just fucking watch documentaries. And what I loved about Ralph Lauren was that he, he liked like Ferraris and stuff and would take stuff from that and put it into his clothes. Because other than that, that's just about clothes and then I'm bored shitless. But it was a nice one of those overlap ones that, you know, you can watch with your, your wife, right? All right, dude, I'm done babbling here. Indochino. Speaking of suits, it's the people that are putting Ralph Lauren out of business. It's Indochino. You know, no matter what's in your closet, that's a loaded thing right there. Skeletons, sexuality. Indochino makes it easy to keep your wardrobe fresh with looks made just for you. From suits and shirts to outerwear and more. And for a limited time, you can shop Indochino's best prices of the year during the, their Black Friday event. You know what's great? You can shop online so you don't have to get fucking trampled. Sorry, had a weird hiccup there. Trampled. You won't get trampled. Down at the Walmart. Uh, don't wait. Book your appointment now with sales starting in store and online November 6th. It'll be funny if you just had to go to Walmart and you forgot it was Black Friday. You know, everybody's there to get the last Atari, you know, for fucking six bucks. And you're standing there, you know, because you want some fucking Cheetos. You're like, man, this is fucking intense. What's going on? <laughs> and you're like, oh, fuck. Is this Black Friday? And you just get trampled because you wanted some Mountain Dew. 
Uh, made for you suits start at just $349 and premium shirts start at just $49. Get more looks for less with Indochino's unbelievable bundles. Two suits starting at $749 and five shirts for $249. Give yourself countless customizable options with new styles and fabrics added throughout the sale. Yeah, go watch Steve Harvey's video on suits. You make three suits and you turn them into seven. It's like when Jesus kept pulling the fish out of the basket. He's doing that with haberdashery. Every suit is made to your exact measurements, and you can customize every detail. Create a suit that fits you and your style perfectly with endless customization options so you get the exact look you want. Blazers, pants, skirts, and more designed and made for you. Hundreds of high-quality fabrics to choose from. Quality European wools, linen, and cotton in a wide range of colors and patterns. Submit your measurements online or work with one of Indochino's expert style guides to create an outfit made just for you. Refresh your wardrobe with the best prices of the year during Indochino's Black Friday event. Secure, secure your, new, your appointment now with sales starting in-store and online November 6th at Indochino.com. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. All right. Okay, there's the reads for the week. All right. Got those out of the way. Let's, let's read the fucking the questions here. Um, down under... Hey, you bald, freckled. Hey, you bald, freckled. Nothing else after it. Are you avoiding the Australian sun because of your condition? <laughs> you know, ginger, pale, legs too thin to fight a kangaroo or what? I'm waiting. Perth is waiting. The sun is waiting. We want another sunburned ginger on our beach. You can never have enough pink, balding men. Love your podcast, mate. Go fuck yourself, though. Um, I know I haven't been I haven't been there a long time. You know, during the pandemic, I did one of those um, those things that all all entertainers thought were going to take over, where they basically, you know, you go to a place in like the valley. That's what I did. I went to a place, someone's house in the valley. I stood there, and they're like. Dude, like 20,000 people are going to fucking order this thing. And it isn't. There's like 400 people. Just order it. Because like entertainers thought like, you know, it'd be fucking great is if rather than having to go on tour, you know, I could just do one show for the whole fucking world and then get paid like you just toured the world and you only had to do one set. That's what people were talking about. And I was sitting there going like, that ain't going to fucking work. That's not going to, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as going there and seeing it. I could tell you that watching the UFC on TV is fucking amazing. You have your friends over and all of that shit. It's fucking great. But being there was, was, I don't, I can't explain it. It was just fucking, I don't even know why it was so much better. Like I actually felt I could see what was going to happen in the fight or understand it better than, you know, I guess when you watch it at home, you got Joe to break the whole fucking thing down. But um, 
just stuff I never noticed. I don't know. It's kind of like the same thing. If you go watch, go to a football game live, you can actually look at the defense rather than just seeing like the lines and the quarterback, you know, because they got that, that angle where, you know, so I guess if they're up on the line and they're showing you the look, you can kind of guess what it is, but I'm not good at that stuff. And I like, you know, looking at the, the different packages or whatever the fuck they have. And hopefully somebody near you understands the game more than you. And you can like watch that or like watch like a matchup or something like that. Um, you know, gives you like the options or whatever. So getting back to that, like as funny as a comedian's going to be on TV, there's, it's never going to be funnier than actually seeing the person live. And I feel like music too, you know, is amazing as all of these musicians are and everything, there's just nothing like being there and the energy of the crowd. That is what sucks about the phones, though. You know, people on their phones and stuff. So I like those ones where you go there and they make you put your phone away and shit. Because um, that fucking sphere thing in Vegas, Jesus Christ. Every fucking video was about what was floating on the ceiling. Nothing was about the band. Oh, my God, look at that. Dude, what the fuck? Holy shit. Just sitting there filming shit. <clears throat> I kind of feel like that's a little too much. You know, if I want to see shit, I'll just take mushrooms. I don't need a sphere. You don't have to fucking spend all your money. Earn the hallucination, you know, do some psychedelics. All right, sorry. I probably shouldn't say that. Okay, Grandma, Grandpa doing pull-ups. Dear Billy Biceps, I recently heard what you're doing, uh, that, you, that you're doing pull-ups now. Uh, I'm back to doing pull-ups. I've done pull-ups my entire adult life until I messed up my shoulders. He said, what, doing push-ups isn't enough for you anymore? I know, the rotator cuff, yada, yada. Anyway, get this. You said that you want to be able to do 10 pull-ups at the age of 70. I think you'd manage a little bit more, and here's why. My grandfather did 30. Yeah, but some people, I don't know what it is. They're just built. Jim Norton can do a thousand fucking pull-ups. Um, I'm not one of those people. I got to fucking work for every one of them. My grandfather, like the first time I ever tried to do a fucking pull-up was they used to have this thing, the president's physical fitness test. This is before body shaming, you know? And you had to be able to do 10 pull-ups. Like when I started to do a pull-up, like I felt like I was paralyzed. Like I wasn't even born with those muscles. And I somehow like like willed myself to do three and I never forgot that I was just like I just felt like such and everybody was watching I felt like such a fucking pussy because I could do you know like 10 15 pull-ups but I mean chin-ups but the pull-ups like I, I I couldn't even do them so from that moment on I've had a chin-up bar my entire life you know I had it in my parents basement in like two or three different houses you know we moved around a lot and then every apartment I ever had I had a pull-up bar um, in the door jam somewhere in the apartment. Um, usually the bathroom, because I had like studio, so it's not like I had like a, I wasn't going to stick it in like the fucking, obviously, unless the door swang out to go inside. I don't know. Anyway, I'm babbling here. So um, your grandfather did 30. I bet your grandfather was always good at him. Uh, clean pull-ups, fully extended arms to chin above the R at, above the bar at age of 90. That's 90. Damn Prussian discipline. Yeah, and that person never stopped doing them and had like perfect form. That's awesome. 
I can't even do that many pull-ups in my mid-30s, and I'm quite athletic. So he was and is an absolute inspiration for me. For a few months now, I've started training pull-ups, and I started out with a maximum of eight. A few weeks in, I already was up to 10, and now I'm doing between 12 and 14. Yeah, I got up to seven before I left. They weren't good ones, though. Uh, depending on the day, if I slept all right, ate enough, etc. I only started this because of my grandfather and hope to be able to continue training until I'm old. Uh, my grandfather also started out with jujitsu at age the age of 70. Ten years later, he had his black belt and kept progressing to third degree D-A-N, triple black belt, basically, in, in his early 90s. If that isn't an inspiration, I don't know what is. Yeah, that's why he's still living. He has a reason to get up in the morning. Stay disciplined and keep at it, you ginger cunt. <laughs> I don't know why I just, you guys insult me. I don't, I just, I, I always feel the love. It just cracks me up. And it's just something funny to give somebody inspiration and then trash him after, you know. Stay disciplined and keep at it. And raise your to say thank you. It's you ginger cunt. <laughs> anyway, other than that, I love your sense of humor. You always bring a smile to my face, even during my dark times. Uh, greetings from the old world. And, of course, greeting to your, your wife. Uh, go fuck yourself. All right. That's awesome. All right, well. I'm going to get back on it. But I'm also like trying not to push myself because I don't want to get re-injured again. Like I could, I can do seven shitty ones or four good ones. So I'm like, let's just go back to doing good ones. I'm going to, I got four good ones. <clears throat> All right. Cashless society. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go into the fucking weeds here. Hey, Bill, fan from Australia here. Have you happened to hear about countries going... Oh, I never asked, answered that guy. <clears throat> when am I going back to Australia? I, I don't know, man. My kids have to get older because I got to bring them. I just... There's just something about being that far away. And I don't know. I did do Europe. Europe just, you know, it's in the same fucking hemisphere, though. That's like literally like you're like a day ahead. But I, I fucking love Australia. And I also loved Perth. And I went there on Australia Day. And it was just a bunch of animals and like what looked like El Caminos driving around fucking shit faced. And I'm like, this reminds me of Massachusetts. Um, and the most beautiful beaches in the world. You know, I've never been to South America or... Um, Africa, but as far as what I've seen, I've never seen more beautiful beaches than in Australia. And I am terrified of the fucking ocean. And I, I, I felt compelled to go into the ocean. Um, thank God it was freezing cold out, so I didn't. But it was, it was unbelievable. They're just, uh, where the fuck? I think it was in Melbourne. And I was just, just sat there just staring at it. It was kind of rough seas, too, so that was another thing. Just seeing the fucking power of it. Um, anyway, cashless society. <clears throat> hey, Bill, from Australia here. Have you happened to hear about countries going cashless? Um, I don't remember anyone here voting on the matter, and yet it seems to be happening anyway. 
Well, that's like AI. Nobody wants that shit. That's that's for the rich people. Uh, there was recently an outrage with the company that controls transfers called Optus that prevented millions of people from completing transactions, even though everyone can see how this will cause huge problems in the future to not allow people to use cash. Experts are saying there is no turning back. Yeah, you don't have you don't have a choice in any of this. Where this everything that you're worried about is going to happen until there's some massive revolution, and then but then what's going to happen is just another sociopath is going to get into into power. Um, I saw people going nuts the other night for this sociopath, fucking sociopath, and I'm like, this guy is robbing literally everybody in here. You know, it's just it's just how people are. They buy you buy into a fucking ideology. In this country, it's it's like I don't know. I think they're all in bed together. I think at the end of the day, when they when Fox News and CNN when they shut off, I think they all go out drinking together. I think it's I think it's like wrestling. I think it's just a big fucking show. I don't buy any of it. I think the politicians do the same thing and then they all fucking go to some giant fucking circle jerk or some shit. I don't know what the fuck they do. Anyways, uh, changes in history have nothing to do with what people want and they just come out of nowhere. Here's an article from MSN about it. Uh, Well, it wasn't linked. I don't have the link. You know what, dude? And I honestly don't even want to read it. Um. They're going to say that the cashless society is for convenience. And what it really is, is it's an ability, if they want to get you, to limit your ability to move and run away. Because they will just freeze everything. They'll freeze your credit cards, and now you can't get to any cash, and nobody accepts cash or believes in it anymore. You're fucked. So that can get you on an individual level. And more importantly, uh, it takes away, dramatically takes away the ability to revolt against uh, an oppressor because you need money to buy your illegal guns and all of that because God knows it's going to have to be done in a violent way. But the thing about it is, is the human fucking brain, okay, with determination will always figure out a way. We'll always figure out a way. I still remember this time this guy was in jail and he was building a fucking hang glider out of dental floss and bed sheets and all that. Now, I'm not saying it didn't work, but like he had the fucking time and he was, you know, I mean, when you look at dental floss, what do you see? I see dental floss. I don't see something to tie to PCP pipe, whatever the fuck he had and bed sheets, and that this could potentially help me fly. <laughs> but when the need is created, so I just don't think that they're going to be able to, um, they're not going to be able to stop us. The big fucking thing is if, if, is if they keep us pitted against one another, which is why I try to stay out of like, uh, you know, all of this, all of that politics shit, all of that, that, all of that crap, this 24 hour news networks. 
I stay out of that shit and I try to act as an individual and I try to act, um, <clears throat> just try to be nice to people, you know, and try to help people out if you can. I think if you're just doing that, um, I don't know. That's, that's what I'm hanging on to because everything else gets too big and gets too fucking um, overwhelming. Like what is amazing is, is I think the hardest fucking human emotion is empathy. And, um, and it's funny. We'll just, let's, let's just act like there really is only two ways to look at things, conservative and, and liberal. What's funny, okay, the conservatives, stereotypically speaking, do not have empathy for anything. You know, they think they do, but they don't, right? And then you got liberals who think that they're empathetic, but they actually, you know, they're too busy congratulating themselves. Like, what is that douchey thing now? I'm an empath. I'm an empath. And they literally make, like, having empathy like this thing that you're now supposed to help them with. Like, oh my God, that must be so hard. God, you care so much. Like, what in the fuck is that? I'm an empath? That's right up there when they said, Donald Trump, uh, you don't seem that humble. And then he just went like, actually, I'm one of the greatest, uh, you know, I'm one of the most humblest people you're ever going to meet. I don't think you can even comprehend how humble I am. And you're sitting there looking like, dude, you're doing a bit, right? And he's dead fucking serious. Liberals with that, I'm an empath. You know, like things like that are hard for me because I'm an empath. You're not an empath. You're completely self-involved. You're totally self-involved. You're so fucking self-involved. You're actually using one of the most beautiful emotions a human being can have, empathy. And you're turning it in into this, this fucking self-congratulatory thing. Ah, here's some fucking dating advice for you. All right, if you meet somebody and they describe themselves as a fucking empath, run out of the room. Just get out of the fucking room. That is a totally self-involved fucking cunt that is never going to admit when they're wrong. Um, all right. <clears throat> oh, God, I hate everybody. All right, Led Zeppelin 4. Let's see if I can still name all the tracks. Starts with Black Dog. Then it's rock and roll. Then it's going to California. Then it's... Uh, Stairway to Heaven. Then is it Misty Mountain Hop? Then Four Sticks? Then something else, and then When the Levee Breaks. I can't remember. I don't don't fucking know shit anymore. Right. Dear Billy Music Brain, 58-year-old fat fuck from Germany here. How's it going? Guten Tag. Um... I recently read a story about Led Zeppelin that might interest you. A lot of people predicted professional suicide for Led Zeppelin with a decision that also set alarm bells ringing at their record company, Atlantic Records, in 1971. The new album was not to have a title, and Led Zeppelin named 
Led Zeppelin's name was not to appear on the cover. Instead, there was a strange picture of an old man carrying a load of hazelnut rods. The band wanted to prove to journalists who had strongly criticized the previous album that their records sold even without a reference to the authors, and they were right. Oh, yeah, they used to get a ton of shit from critics. Hey, guess who else gets a ton of shit? I always do. They always fucking trash me. Um, you know, critics trash. Well, the big, the big publications liked Old Dads, but we, yeah, we got a lot of shit from people. And, uh, but then the people liked it. You know what's funny is the amount of people that can't, can't even remember the name of the movie Old Dads. I was in uh, Hollywood, Florida. This elderly couple go to take a picture with me. And the woman goes, she goes, uh, I loved your movie, Old Guys. <laughs> when I was in Brooklyn, somebody said, I love your movie, Bad Dads. Someone else called it Old People. And I just fucking, and then like Nia's always there. So Nia is just cracking up laughing and teasing the shit out of me. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. You know, I get why they can't remember it. There's like, they're like scrolling through Netflix, all of those fucking movies. It's like, you know, you hit the jackpot if they, they select your thing there. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so they got a ton of shit uh, and they were right. Led Zeppelin four. As the album is un uh, Led Zeppelin four, as the album is unofficially called because it is the band's fourth record, even became their most successful release, selling 37 million units. Uh, said cover of the classic album has become an icon of rock music, and as a huge fan of Led Zeppelin, of course you know it. A lecturer at the University of West England has now managed to unravel the mystery of the enigmatic, enigmatic image while preparing an exhibition for the Wiltshire Museum. Oh, dude, this is like right up my alley. Musical trivia. I love this shit. He found the original picture by chance is in an album that presented around 100 early photographs, mostly houses, street scenes, and some portraits of farm workers. He investigated further and discovered that the man was most likely the roofer, Lot Long, or Lot Longyear, who lived in the village of Mir from 1823 to 1893. Next year, an exhibition at the Wilshire, Wilshire, the Wiltshire Museum will commemorate those times. The photo that ended up on the, the Led Zeppelin cover will also be on display Oh, man, I got to see that. Perhaps you'll be performing in England again in the future and fancy a trip to, to the southwest of England to see a bit of rock history. I would 100% do that. There are beautiful cities like Bath or Bristol, impressive landscapes, and last but not least, Stonehenge, which is only a few miles away from Wiltshire Museum. Plus, the people have an incredibly nice... They are incredibly nice. I have experienced this myself time and time again during numerous visits. Of course, I don't know if the coffee there meets your standards. I don't give a shit because England is obviously tea territory. Well, hey, you know, I would definitely drink the fucking tea then. Uh, keep up the great work. All the best to you and your family and go fuck yourself. I also really like an English breakfast. 
you know, bangers and mash, whatever the fuck they call them. The little sausages and the eggs. I like that. I like a German breakfast where they have the hard-boiled egg in that thing like it's a fucking trophy. Um, I actually, you know, it's... I'm trying to think of all the different breakfasts I've had going throughout the world. Everybody has like a weird take on it. I mean, I'm obviously partial to the American breakfast, you know, which is just all about shoving as much fucking shit down your throat as you possibly can. <clears throat> you know, the Grand Slam breakfast. Who would have a problem with that? I mean, the Grand Slam breakfast, I mean, around the world, okay, we're talking two eggs, however you want them, two sausages, two bacon, and a short stack of pancakes, you know, glass of orange juice, and some water. That's the classic Grand Slam fucking breakfast, all right? Not saying that we, we like, in this thing, nobody does that at home. That's something you, you go out. You go out to fucking Denny's or... Uh, the International House of Pancakes or a fucking greasy spoon or some shit. You do that, but you, you never do that at home. You know what I mean? It's, it's too much fucking work. You get the batter going, then I got to get the eggs going. And as I'm thinking this, I'm like, I'm going to fucking do this. I'm going to make a Grand Slam breakfast. I'm going to do it one of these days. One of these days. What's, what's a good, is, is there International House of Pancake Day where you just go out? Who, who does the Grand Slam? Is it Denny's? I always like IHOP better than Denny's. And it's just the colors. I just like blue. And that blue roof was peaceful to me. And for some reason, I thought that their sticky tables were a cut above Denny's. You know? I would say the IHOP is a little sweeter. And I would say Denny's is a little more savory. I just felt there's a lot more salt coming from Denny's side. But that might just be, like, psychological because of the colors. You know? Um... But anyway, I don't know what to do with myself now. I got one more fucking gig, and I'm going to go to that F1 race. It's going to be fantastic. I also have a movie coming out um, that I did a voice on called Leo that stars the one and only Adam Sandler. So that's going to be coming out. I know there's a premiere this weekend that we're doing. So... Um, I'm going to get, I got to promote that. The strike is over. feels weird. It feels weird talking about projects. So can I talk about old dads? If you guys have any questions now about old dads, about where we shot things, about making it and all that, because I can tell you that is the most work I've ever done in my life. And here's another thing too. <clears throat> People keep saying, he wrote it, directed it. I co-wrote it. I co-wrote it with Ben Tischler. All right. And Ben Tischler is the reason why that movie got fucking made, because it never would have got written without him, because I told him the idea that I had. It just came off of like one day, like I was. Um, I was dropping my daughter off at school or something like that, and they got on the jungle gym. I was like, oh, you on the jungle gym? And she's like, Dad, it's called the structure. It was just every single every single thing I said was like wrong. And then I had to think like, I have not been in fucking preschool in 50 years. Like all of this shit has changed. And um, it just gave me like this little bit of an idea. And I just mentioned it to Ben. And he was like, dude, we should write that. 
and he just kept showing up every day to write it. So, I mean, I didn't have the discipline to do it. <clears throat> I've had a bunch of ideas <clears throat> for um, movies and stuff, and I've just never done them. And I finally understood that I needed somebody <laughs> with the discipline to do it. And uh, I've been working with Ben. I've, I've been working with Ben since like 2005, 2006. I forget how we came together, but we somehow, the NFL wanted some sort of, um, wanted some sort of like funny commercial to promote the league. And through that, I got hired, I think at an audition, and then they hired Ben to direct it. And then we got to know each other, and then that was it. And of course, what we did, we thought was hilarious. And they were like, no, 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 you're making fun of the fans. We had two fucking funny ideas. The first one was, um, <clears throat> I, get, I get why they didn't use it. Like, we were kind of making fun of, you know, like, we went to a Raiders game. This is when they were playing in Oakland. And we went there and we would go up to the people that were all dressed crazy. And we would ask them about going to the Raiders game. They'd be all fucking amped up and everything. And then gradually I would start asking questions about like, you know, politics and global warming. And then they would just totally change their, their tone. And then they had this ridiculous outfit on and they would, you know, going, you know, dressed like Darth Vader or something and just being like, you know, well, I mean, I think that's more of a federal issue. And then they would just be talking about that. And then the final question was, are you currently in a relationship? <laughs> so they were like, that one's too mean. So we, so that one struck up. And then years later, I was at this sports bar, Big Wangs on Kawanga. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. I don't think, I think it, it moved to downtown LA. And the Patriots were playing the Ravens. And there was this Ravens fan that was so fucking obnoxious. I wanted to fucking kill him. And it was, it was that playoff game where their first run from scrimmage where they just won. And this guy was going like, ah, like yelling in our faces and stuff. Um, to this day, I don't know why he wasn't thrown out of the bar. But like, he was bigger than me and could kick the shit out of me. And he was upsetting me so much. I was thinking like, yeah, but I'd get that first one in. Then I'd just turtle. He'd probably get, you know, two punches and a couple of kicks and then the bouncers would break it up and maybe it'd be worth it or whatever. And I just like, it's like, Bill, it's not worth it. Okay. I was fucking, I was in my forties, but this guy made me so fucking mad and my team lost. Um, and he was a mouth breathing fucking moron that I was like, I have to get something out of this. So then we wrote an ad campaign for DirecTV, the NFL package. And basically what it was, was, um, uh, how the fuck did it go? It was a guy sitting in a sports bar trying to watch his team play. This is like, you know, 10 years ago. So I know everybody can now watch the game on your phone. You couldn't do this back then. So basically the, 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 the bit was, you know, I was going to dress like, you know, fucking nerd, right? Glasses and all of this shit. And I was just sitting there trying to watch my team. And everyone's just screaming, yelling all day, you know, ah, screaming and spilling drinks on you. And you can't see it. You can't hear it. And um, <clears throat> just getting pushed around the room and all of that spun around, you know, a lot of sight gags. And then in the end, 
it was going to be, you know, and I just looked totally frazzled, like I'm not having a good time. And then the end of the commercial, I'm sitting at home with DirecTV and I just turn on the game and I'm just sitting there totally relaxed. And it said, uh, the NFL package on DirecTV. And then you, you just, the, the guy was yelling in my face, drives by in the car with his head out the window like Ace Ventura on his way to the sports bar. Just goes, ah! As he went by and it says, yeah, 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 yeah. Now that you know the psychic, it would go like this. The DirecTV, the NFL package. Yeah! And then it's, it pays for itself. Something like that. And it was him being at home. You get the point. Um, so anyway, we've been doing shit like that forever. I think we ended up doing something for the NHL. I can't remember. I just remember shooting these things with like Billy Gardell before he was uh, on uh, Mike and Molly. Just a long fucking time ago. So anyways, the point is I've known um, Ben forever, uh, Ben Tischler. And uh, so when people say I wrote the thing, say that I co-wrote it. So anyway, if you guys do have any questions, I'm so fucking excited that I can finally fucking talk about it and all the great actors that were in it and uh, all the people that helped me with it because I had a ton of fucking help. But I, I do want to take the time to say thank you to all you guys. The movie was number one, the number one movie streamed on Netflix globally for two weekends in a row. The third week, it was still in the top five, and the fourth week was still in the top ten. So it's been a huge, huge hit. And uh, if you guys didn't watch it, it wouldn't be. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. All right. So that's it. That is the uh, Monday morning podcast. Um, go fuck yourselves, and thank you. Thank you to everybody that came out to my shows. I had I had such a great time. I had such a great time at MSG you know, doing my show. Thank you to Dana White hooking us up with the tickets. Uh, my wife and I have always wanted to go to one of those things. It was fantastic. And uh, thank you to that person that made me that um, egg cream, whatever the fuck you call it. I am absolutely sold on that. And that's something that I will only get in New York City at that place. I got something else, some old other old man thing to do here. All right, that's it. Enjoy your weekend. No, I'll check in on you on Thursday. That's what I'm supposed to say. All right.